Welcome back to another Mental Health and Wellness Monday with J-Rock Therapy. I'm glad you decided to join me. Today we're talking about trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and post-traumatic stress response, and what are the differences between the two? Well, first I wanna start out with a loose definition of trauma. So in non-clinical terms, trauma can be defined as any time we experience um, a distressing event or circumstance in our lives where we feel stuck, we feel trapped, like there's no way out, and then after that event, we feel forever changed. The thing about trauma that we have found in trauma-informed care and research is that more important than the traumatic event itself is the immediate response and level of care that the client or patient receives immediately following the trauma, not only from the clinician, but also from their community of care and support network and support system. So what happens when we uh, undergo trauma and when we experience traumatic events? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk a little brain science. So here's my little infinite recovery brain model that I have um, from infinite recovery in Austin. Um, but one of the things that happens when we experience a traumatic event is that the neocortex, which is the thinking part of our brain, the logical part, the reasonable part of who we are, it actually goes offline and switches off like a light switch. Also the hippocampus, which is the memory storage part of our brain, it shuts down temporarily. It's no longer concerned with engaging in long-term uh, memory storage and information processing. Instead, it wants to make sure and ensure that you survive the event. So the amygdala, which is the threat detection part of our brain, it becomes activated and charged. And oftentimes those traumatic events, memories, and negative or maladaptive self-beliefs, they bypass the rational part of our brain. They bypass the long-term memory storage and they get stuck in the threat detection system, which is the amygdala, which is why you might've heard the term before trigger. We almost use it as a pop culture term that was so triggering but what's really happening with triggers is that material and debris from traumatic events that have gotten locked in the central nervous system and that have been maladaptively processed and stuck in that amygdala region it is easily activated because it's locked in there so clinical treatments and interventions like EMDR therapy, which is something that I received clinical training in and I was so happy that I did because the science just works. EMDR therapy helps to actually open up and unlock the central nervous system and then open up those neural networks so that all of that negative and maladaptively stored information can be properly reprocessed, properly sort of put in its place and thereby reducing this, uh, the uh, activation and desensitizing um, um, the the person's experience and in relationship and neural connection to that event. So in other words, it, it begins to rewire the brain in terms of the neural connection, the negative neural connection that you may have made. You know, a lot of times people carry a lot of shame. I, I should have done something. I wish I could have done better. I wish I could have stopped it. Why did this happen to me? And so what we do is we go to work on addressing and reprocessing those negative self-beliefs along with the event and incident itself without having to relive it all and without having to do traditional talk therapy in the room week after week so that, so that the client and the patient can experience more immediate relief or results. Now you might be wondering, well, where do I find an EMDR therapist or what, how can I find out more about that? What is it? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked again because EMDRIA is the National Association for EMDR. They're based right here in the beautiful city of Austin, Texas, but they have a global 
global website. So you can go onto YouTube and look up the Imdria uh, video clip about EMDR that explains it well. You can go to their website and then you can also go to Psychology Today, which is another community that I'm a part of. You can look up a therapist by putting your zip code in any place across the country. If you're in Texas, you can go and use Mental Health Match. If you want to call into a 1-800 number to get support, you can call into NAMI's uh, hotline, which is a 24-hour hotline. They have a hotline for COVID relief care, but also for general mental health and wellness and mental illness concerns. Um, and then if you have been a person that has experienced violence on any level, there's a National Domestic Violence Hotline, as well as RAIN, which is a national hotline and network against sexual assault. So you are armed with resources and support and qualified advocates, activists, clinicians, and caretakers that are just waiting to hear from you. And if all else falls, remember in your area, call 211 because it will direct you to services and care. All right, so let's talk a little bit about different types of trauma. Um, there's individual trauma. When someone experiences an individual or interpersonal traumatic experience, but there's also collective trauma when a group or body or a particular demographic of people have experienced a traumatic event, they felt stuck, they felt that they couldn't get out of it, and then after it, they were forever changed. Rather that be natural disasters, rather that be socio-political unrest or mistreatment and maltreatment. There's so many different versions or forms of collective trauma. And from a global standpoint, I would absolutely say, and I've been saying this for years, that the collective mindset and the collective consciousness is absolutely being impacted by one another. And so even if that trauma is vicarious, in other words, maybe it's not something that you personally live through or experience, but by hearing and taking in the media or the images or the stories or talking about it and hearing that, not that every person will be vicariously traumatized, but vicarious trauma is a real thing. So in terms of trauma and in terms of responses, as you can see here, there's this little uh, piece right here in the center that says trauma, but then there's all these offshoots and we're going to review those together. Um, so nightmares and flashbacks are oftentimes symptoms of post-traumatic stress response. Intrusive memories. Why does this keep coming up? It's intrusive. It's like I'm in a loop. I can't stop thinking about it. I would like to offer to you more than, oh, that you're going crazy or there's something wrong with you. Oftentimes the intrusive memories and the frequent flashbacks are the brain's way of saying, look, we are ready to deal and heal. I'm pushing this debris forward and pushing this content forward so that we can open it up and address it. Um, startle response, being easily startled, uh, shame and self-hatred. This one is huge. A lot of folks that suffer with either the, the full disorder, PTSD, where it's been a prolonged event and that it has been clinically diagnosed because this is actually impairing this person's day-to-day -day function at this point, or just the post-traumatic stress response, which is more of a short-term appropriate response to traumatic material and events, people oftentimes begin to internalize a sense of self-shame and hatred because it's like, why am I acting like this? Why am I responding like this? Why am I having these nightmares? Why am I feeling depressed? And then that oftentimes because of the lack of knowledge, the lack of information, the lack of psychoeducation around it, they begin to experience shame because the brain wants to search for answers. The brain wants to bring conclusions. And when really, really difficult, disturbing, and even horrific things take place, oftentimes if the brain can't figure it out, it will start to self-blame. And so be aware of that as well. Panic attacks, emotional overwhelm, 
chronic pain and headaches, you all know I often say the body keeps the score, and I didn't make up the phrase. Dr. Bessel van der Kolk wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score. I learned about it in grad school, and I use it to this day in my clinical practice because the body will trap stress at the cellular level and manifests its manifests that stress or manifests that um, prolonged untreated trauma in the form of chronic pain and chronic ailments. Um, in addition, you know, when we have that heightened amygdala state, when we're in that fight, flight, or freeze, remember the brain is also releasing higher amounts of adrenaline so that we can be charged up and ready to defend ourselves or ready to survive a situ situation or a scenario. Um, the brain is also releasing more cortisol. So there's a neurochemical component to this as well. It's not that you're just feeling stuff and you're just kind of tripping out or wigging out. There's actually a biochemical process that's happening with you. And then when it's reactivated, Oftentimes the brain doesn't know the difference between what's real or what's imagined, which is why you can be laying in bed at night and it's like, oh my goodness, I had the worst dream or I had the worst flashback. It's like the sweaty palms, the butterflies in the stomach, the feeling like, you know, restless feet, like you've got to run. It's because the, the brain doesn't know the difference between what you're imagining and remembering or what's actually happening in real time. All right, so in addition to chronic pain and headaches, uh, eating disorders or any kind of disordered eating, whether that be restricting or binging or that constant cycle of restriction and then binging, that is, a, that is disordered eating at work and oftentimes a coping mechanism for uh, unresolved, untreated, and sometimes even just unrecognized trauma. Um, substance abuse also is one of those trauma responses. You know, when you come back from service in the war, when you have lived what seems to be a war in your own life, in your own neighborhood, or in your own home, oftentimes, the way to cope with it is if not through food, if not through work, if not through sex, if not through religion, it's like, oh my goodness, what do I do? So then oftentimes people start to grow a dependency and alcohol use disorder or substance use disorder develops over time because it's a way of escaping reality for just a bit so that you can get some relief. Well, now you're learning that there are other ways to get that relief through good comprehensive clinical care. In addition to substance abuse, self-destructive behaviors, little or no memories. Have you ever talked to someone and you ask them, tell me about that part of your life. Tell me about that phase. What were you thinking then? Tell me about your middle school years. And they're like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. That's often a trauma response. The brain will go dark and file content away until we are in a place that's safe enough to unpack it and to deal with it so that we can heal. Hypervigilance, waiting for the other shoe to drop, for the other tower to fall. What's going to happen next? I got to stay ready. And oftentimes people will begin to catastrophize in that state because it's like they want to keep playing out scenarios that might happen to keep themselves safe. But while they're doing that, it keeps us so much out of the now that we're so far in the back and we're so far ahead of the future that we cannot ever really sort of ground ourselves and be still. Hypervigilance also shows up, I believe, in busyness. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm working, I'm hustling, I'm going, 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 because if I ever stop and got quiet enough, I'm afraid of what I will feel and what I will hear and what I will see within my own self and my own soul.
disassociation disassociation often happens when a person is inundated or flooded with a traumatic event they have no coping skills or no way of managing it or making sense of it so they just dis disconnect from it and it shows up as denial it, it shows up as removing oneself from reality like being in a fantasy world or a fantasy land or sometimes a disassociation can also show up in the form of little or no memories and people oftentimes especially in family systems work get so angry with other people because they're like oh you remember no you remember and and while it may be true there may be some people that do remember and maybe they're lying because they don't want to deal with it or because it's too shameful to talk about in many cases it's actually a post-traumatic stress response that the brain has gone dark and even if the person is responsible for the trauma or, or, or for bringing a lot of that pain the brain has gone dark for them as well Sometimes somebody can go through something really hard and it's like, it wasn't that bad. Oh no, it was, a, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you almost, you know, you were, you almost died. You were in a hurricane or you almost, you know, whatever it is. But a lot of times those are dissociative behaviors in order to cope. But they're maladaptive coping mechanisms because they're not sustainable over time for long-term wellness and for long-term prognosis for stable and effective mental wellness and mental health care. Um, in addition to disassociation, depression can be a sign of post-traumatic stress response. Just feeling really blue, feeling really tired, feeling really down, not wanting to move, not wanting to get out of bed. Um, irritability, chronic irritability can also be a post-traumatic stress response. Loss of interest, you know, nothing interests you that used to interest you before. Nothing can seem to bring you joy. It's just like kind of checked out because it was too much. And so when it's too much, instead of staying in this heightened fear state, eventually the brain will, you know, parts of the brain will shut down or go offline. Numbing. You know, sometimes you, you, you may have experienced this yourself or you may have met someone before that's just like, it seems like nothing phases them. They're just totally numb. That's a traumatic response. We're wired to feel. We're wired to think. We're wired to connect. And um, I think we've almost given a lot of praise in our culture. Like, man, nothing affects you. But now you can see today that oftentimes it's not that they weren't affected. It's just the way that they manifest how they were affected is different than maybe someone else. In addition to numbing, there's also insomnia and then decreased concentration. I talked to a lot of people that are like, you know what? Usually I have my pen and my paper and I'm getting stuff done. I'm writing reports. I'm productive. I'm running errands. And now it's just like I cannot concentrate on anything. Oftentimes that's because the brain has become flooded with traumatic material and traumatic content. And so what do we do with this? Well, we talked a lot about resources earlier um, that you can reach out to for help, for assistance, for support. And, you know, the psychoeducation part is empowering because in the same way that if someone's having, you know, hives or itching or sneezing, you're like, oh, I think you're having an allergic reaction. You can now better identify within yourself or those around you. This might be a post-traumatic stress response. And it doesn't mean that you have to turn into an allergist and diagnose them with that. It doesn't mean that you have to turn into a clinician and diagnose them with post-traumatic stress response or disorder. But it can be an invitation to go reach out, get checked out. If nothing more, listen, it's like getting an oil change, a tune-up, getting your teeth cleaned. It's routine maintenance and preventive care. Okay, because this brain is, a, is, is just a wonderfully divine muscle and it has neuroplasticity. You can rewire your brain. You can change your brain. You know, um, there is just so much endless possibility when you take that first step and have that courage to reach out for support and reach out for care. 
So I am glad that you joined me today. I hope that you learned something new or insightful that you can say, you know, I'm gonna take this with me. I never knew that some of those things were post-traumatic stress responses. You can empower yourself and equip yourself within your own community, uh, whether that be your own family, your neighbors, your colleagues, your coworkers, your friends, so that you have more vital information on how to recognize, not treat, but how to recognize potential symptoms and signs of post-traumatic stress response and disorder. As I close, I want you to remember that you cannot choose your trauma, but you can choose your healing. So in this process, know that you're not alone. And as I've said for years, be kind to yourself and to those around you. I'll see you next Monday and thanks for tuning in.